matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. This summer we have been reflecting on the Ten Commandments, which are the principles that are given uh, to Moses and the Hebrew people in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. As they are fleeing Egypt and they're thinking about how they're going to set up their own government. And we could think about them as the ten best ways to live or the ten foundations for a good world. We're on the ninth commandment today. And as we'll see, it's about our relationship with each other, but it's also about how we take care of each other. So let's hear that commandment. You shall not bear fall witness against your neighbor. Several years ago, my family listened to a kid's novel called A Snicker of Magic when we were on a car trip, and we liked it so much that then we've read it several times since then. The main character is Felicity Juniper Pickle, which is my second favorite name of a character in a kid's name book. And Felicity Juniper Pickle is a collector of words. Um, and that's literal. She sees them in the air as they are spoken, and then she captures the ones she likes by writing them in her notebook, unless she doesn't have her notebook handy, and then she writes them on her shoe. Felicity completely changed my feeling about the word maybe, because she described it as being a wonderful word, stretched out, long and starry. And the letter Y looked as fiery as the tail of a comet. It looped around us, connecting everyone together. The word yes, she describes as filling up like a balloon and then inflating. And love is sparkly. And it floats in the air. Those of you at the um, table in the back, there are some words back there that I just wrote down that I would be curious how you would illustrate those. And what I like about imagining words that way is that it reminds us of their power. The power of words to harm or to heal comes up twice in the Ten Commandments. We start out with it early on in don't take God's name in vain. And then it comes up again today, almost at the end, in don't bear false witness. Or sometimes we say, don't lie. If we could see the word lie, I think it would be slimy. <laughs> like oobleck or um, toothpaste maybe oozing out into every available space. When we were little, my mom used to caution us that lying wasn't worth it. Because as soon as you tell one lie, you're going to have to tell another to cover that one, and then another to cover that one, and pretty soon you're going to find yourself buried in a pile of lies that you can't even keep straight anymore. Which, of course, is just the damage done to the person telling the lie. The damage done to a person that we lie about, or our neighbor, as the Bible puts it, is even worse. 
I am sure that it is not an accident that don't bear false witness follows the commandment don't steal. Both of them caution us against taking something away from another person. And we can think of that in taking away reputation or a sense of self-worth. But lies also take real, physical, literal things away from people. There are several stories in the Bible like that. One of them is in 1 Kings, and that's where we meet King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Ahab wants to buy a vineyard from one of his subjects, Naboth. And he makes an offer, and it seems to be fair, but Naboth likes his vineyard. And he says no. And in return, Ahab and Jezebel plot. They have Naboth charged with a crime that he never committed. So that when he's taken to court and they bring people in to lie about him, he's executed and they take the vineyard. The lying is all wrapped up in the stealing and the murder. And for Christians, the best known example of this is probably the trial and execution of Jesus. When the Gospels of Matthew and Mark both say that the chief priests were looking for false witnesses against Jesus so that they could put him to death. What's telling about these examples is that it is the powerful who are using lies to increase their power. If you're um, getting restless there in the pews, you could open a Bible to the book of Proverbs and see how many of those sayings are about lying or about false witness. They're all over the place. And it's because the lying is a particularly terrible way of asserting power over the powerless. And we probably don't even have to look at the Bible because some of us have probably have examples from that in our own life of divorces, of property disputes, of business dealings that got messier and took more energy than they should have, all because people didn't tell the truth. And I don't know, maybe sometimes those people were even us. What they show us is that lies are a brutal and a useful weapon, especially if they're combined with the legal system. It's why the Ninth Commandment isn't primarily about character. It's not primarily about virtue, about being honest, because that's how you're a good person. It's about power. When we look at it from the biblical context, it asks us to ask some questions. It asks us to ask some questions about our world today. And whether truth and lies are used to protect the powerless or to bolster the powerful. I know that's a poignant question right now because we've had a lot of time to think about it in the past couple weeks as we have wrestled with the murders in El Paso. The connection to racist speech there has become clear. And it's false witness 
when we scapegoat entire groups of people. Lies are like slime oozing everywhere. And they appear to be oozing into all levels of our conversations today. It's precisely because they ooze everywhere and because they work so well that the temptation is always there. There's been so much conversation about this, and of course there's a practical answer that there will always be dishonest people in the world. There will always be power-hungry people, and there will always be people willing to use lies to get what they want. And that's probably true. But we aren't primarily concerned with the practical answer. We're concerned with the spiritual answer. And we're concerned with our spiritual answer. How are we going to be people of integrity in a world that is very often dishonest? And if we thought even bigger about that, how do we create a more honest world One that is in line with God's vision for truth and for justice. I think we will be having a lot more conversations about that. And I hope to hear more about what you all are thinking. But as a starting place, I see two things. First, I think we can start by being honest with ourselves about our own deceptions. Researchers say that people lie several times a day. And some of those are little white lies. They're the, uh, I'm on my way, when you're not even in your car. (laughs) Or, I'm sick, when really, you're sick of work. They're fairly harmless. But that's the lure of lying. The deceptions get easier and easier to do, and we get better and better at doing them. And most critically, we get better and better at justifying them. Until we say they're just words. They don't matter. The way that we build on our lives, if we're not careful means that I'd venture a guess that most of us, if not all of us, have told bigger lies. And I will say I have told bigger lies, ones that I am not proud of. Those are the lies that help us get away with something, or the lies that protect our reputation or make us money. And it's no small thing to say that part of our spiritual journey is to work towards overcoming this tendency in ourselves. The second thing I think we can do, and this is related, is to get better at recognizing and standing up against other people's false witness. And it's related because the more we practice being people of integrity ourselves, the easier it is to do that work honestly and gently. As people are coming under attack, for being Jewish, for being Mexican, for being trans, 
for being poor. It's not a small thing to take a stand against hateful speech. And I know that sometimes what gets in the way of us confronting this isn't that we agree. It's not that we want to see it continue. It's that we don't know what to say in response. And so I'll say that for me personally, I've had to think about it. I've had to find the words to disagree with people in those moments. And I think it's worth taking the time to do that. To think about how you would say, that's not my experience of so-and-so. Or, I don't see that happening across the board. Or even, I wonder what your evidence is for this. And I'm not offering those words out there with any sense of condensation or uh, talking down. I think it's important to think ahead. Because as much as we have pondered the power of the words to be destructive, words can heal when they are carefully chosen. I said earlier that you could open the book of Proverbs and find a number of commands not to lie. But what's interesting is that they are almost always paired with praise and promise for the truth teller. A witness saves lives when he tells the truth. When he lies, he betrays people. Proverbs 14:25. Or a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15:4. What this means is that as serious as all of this is, and it is serious, being a true witness is an act of hope. Hope, which I think looks like gold. I think it is shiny and it is bright, but it is solid and it is weighty and it is reliable. And the truth about us is that we are ultimately people of hope. As a community of faith, we have the power to choose the words that we collect and the true words that we stand against. But as a community of faith, I'm also reminded that the witness of faith is that we never do this hard work alone. We do this together, but we do it in spirit as well. And I think that is where the courage and where the perseverance will come from for us. Friends, let us go forth to bring peace, love, and joy to all whom you encounter and all whom you will never meet. Let us go forth to love and to serve our God and to serve our neighbor. And let us look for the true colors that each person brings into the world. See their goodness. See their uniqueness. 
see the image of our God present in each creature that has breath. And when you go, wherever you go, may the love of God enfold you. May the peace of Christ fill you and protect you. And may the community of the Holy Spirit encourage you and equip you this very moment and in every moment to come. And let us say together, Amen.